Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, about 1,700 cyclists were hospitalised due to crashes last year. And this is according to Freedom of Information figures. It was released to News Talk and it includes nearly 200 children under the age of nine. Olivia Keating is with us on the show today because, Olivia, you were involved in a fairly bad cycling accident yourself. Um, tell us what happened. Hi, how are you? Good. Um, it was probably about six years ago now. Um, I was out cycling and unfortunately I was hit from behind um, and I was sent headfirst to a road sign um, and then I came down onto like a ditch and a wall where I kind of broke so many different areas of my, the left side of my body. Um, so I, I was quite bad. Um, I, I think even at the scene, it looked like my arm was gone. Um, I had a compound fracture was quite bad. My, my femur was shattered. Um, I'd broken vertebrae and ribs and my face. And um, <laughs> just going head first through the sign, unfortunately, was incredibly badly damaged. Um, so, like, I, I was incredibly lucky. I had people stopped at the scene. I had emergency services um, all come to my assistance. And then I went to um, CMH, um, where I was put in an induced coma for about, I was probably about two and a half weeks. Um, and then I suppose they spent anything up to two years really in, in quite a bad way. Um, and, you know, it took a long time. I was up in the National Rehabilitation above in Dunleary, where, again, they did another amazing job. Um, but it was a very, very long battle that I had to go through. Um, and, again, you know, it was it was a, an area that I had cycled many mm. times. Um, I was wearing all high-vis. Um, I was at the right time of day, you know, so... Sometimes even as a cyclist, you do everything the right way. And unfortunately, these accidents still seem to happen. Are you surprised by the figures? 1,700 um, hospitalised last year alone. It's, it's horrible. It's uh, scary because, you know, I, I'm thinking of those people and are they like me? Do they have to go through what I went through? And I know I can't stop it, but, you know, you do everything you possibly can to try and prevent it happening to somebody else. The last thing you want is anybody to go through what you went through. Um, the figures are scary. They are incredibly scary. And especially when you hear that nearly 200 children. I know. Under the age of nine, Olivia. Yeah. And like, you know, me as a child, like when I was about 14, I remember my first job was at the strawberry farm. And I cycled. And that was like probably a good 30, 40 minute cycle in the morning. And myself and my buddy used to cycle up to the strawberry farm. We picked strawberries all day and we'd cycle away home. And, you know... It, and our parents didn't even think twice because I thought we didn't have back then. Um, whereas unfortunately now, I think cycling out there, it, it's just become a lot more dangerous. And you can see it with, like, I suppose I would be quite um, observant now of any of the figures I see come out about road deaths or about, you know, accidents happening. Um, because I think once you go through it yourself, it's always something that's on the radar. Um but it is, it's, it's a scary thing. Mm. Um, and you had a, se- you know, you had a, a fairly, like you had a serious road to recovery, Olivia. How how are you now, like following all the, the rehabilitation and how is your your mobility? Good. Um, like, you know, things will never be perfect with me physically and that's okay. You know, I've, I've come to terms with that and there's still certain things I can do. Um, I would be, <laughs> I suppose I'm quite stubborn and I'm quite a determined person. So, 
I didn't give up. I didn't give up on sport. It's something I've been involved with all my life. Uh, I just said, I'm not letting this go. And I did everything that I was meant to do. And, and I, I suppose people see me out doing marathons or doing these lovely, I did the Ria Kerry a couple of weeks ago. The people don't see what I had to do to get to that point. Mm. Um, and that's, I suppose, and you don't want to be constantly bringing it up to people, but um, just because I'm now able to do them still, it still doesn't mean I have issues to live with for the rest of my life. Um, you, you did this, the Cork City Marathon, wasn't it? I did, I did that yeah. with, um, I was very lucky I did that with Dr. Jason. Um, he was one of the people who came to my assistance that day. Um, and without his help, I wouldn't have made it to the hospital. You know, I, I was that bad. Um, to say that I made it was fantastic. Yeah. But to come out as good as I did. I know. I Like, I'm a very small percentage. Like, like how I got to where I was and how I recovered. Yes, I had a lot to do with me and my determination, but... I was just incredibly lucky. You know, I fell into that very small percentage. Some people, like I think on the day I went into CUH, there was one man in his 70s died in a cycling accident. And there was another young boy, and I, I, I can't remember now if he was a cycling or motorbike, but he was barely 20. Um, and his brain injury was so severe. I, I, I had no idea whatever happened, but at the time when I left, you know, he wasn't in a good way and probably never would be. So people forget that, you know, yes, you impact one person, but it's everybody else mm. around them as well as impacted. So mm-hmm. when I see 1,700, you know, that could be anything up to 6,000 people who are affected, you know, at least minimum is not a lot more. Um, but it is, you know, it, it's, um, as I said, with, with me, you know, it, it definitely has a lot to do with, there were certain things in my life I'd never get back or I'd never have again. And I had to come to terms with that and just say, okay, let them go. But with sports, I think it was just something that I loved and I knew it would help me through recovery and I knew it would help me, you know, especially when you go through something like I did, you'd go through a depth of depression, but I didn't because I I kept sport in my life. Mm. Um, No, go on ahead. Yeah, oh no, no, I'm just saying, like, you know, I think it was down to, to that. It was just the fact that I knew sport always had helped me, um, and that's why I stuck with it. Um, but as you said, like, you know, people didn't see me when I. I you know, know, it's the me. attitude as well, I suppose, maybe to, to a certain a certain extent. Um, Olivia, stay with us because I just want to bring in a couple of other callers actually yeah. on this as well. And we're asking whether or not you think Ireland is a safe place for cyclists following um, the release of these freedom of information figures to News Talk. Um, the, the, uh, Den, I should say, sorry, Den and Kerry has texted and he says, I was um, off the road for medical conditions, had to cycle to work for six months, Castle Island to Kilorglan and back again each day for six months. I was clipped by wing mirrors three times, lethal stuff. You need to pick safe, quiet roads to try and stay safe, according to Den. Um, this text where I was knocked down by a delivery driver in Blanchardstown. My bike was mangled. The roads in Dublin are lethal, says this texter. Kieran Cannon is a Funnigale TD in Galway East. And Kieran, you were a cyclist. You were involved in a, another serious collision yourself. Um, was it this year? We we were talking to you about it at the time. Like, how are you doing at the moment, Kieran? Uh, hello, Andrea. And hello, you? Olivia. And, and congrats on your on your recovery. Um, it was the second of July last year, so just uh, celebrated the first anniversary of the accident a couple of weeks ago. Um, cycling through Moy Cullen Village, just on the outskirts of Galway, heading towards Clifton to meet some friends. 
uh, and uh, an SUV just drove straight across in front of me, um, right into my line of, of movement. And um, I ended up in an ambulance and in hospital. It was a very serious injury that would be with me for the rest of my life. So uh, that's a very similar yeah. experience to Olivia's. I, um, I was always intent on getting back on my bike um, and I suppose getting back to a place that I felt wasn't necessarily important for me in terms of my physical and mental well-being. And thankfully, um, I've been able to do a lot of um, what I had hoped to do and the kind of the, the ambitions I set for myself when I when I was originally injured. But as Olivia says, there are other aspects of your life that are changed forever. Uh, and we are just one of thousands of people that uh, experience this every year. And Olivia is also right, correct in saying that this impacts not alone the injured person, but your family and those people immediately around you who love you, who are deeply concerned about you. Um, and you're, just the bottom line is Ireland is not a safe place right now to be on a bike on our roads, be it on our rural roads or be it on our urban streets. Um, we are right at the bottom of the league table when it comes to the European Union in terms of providing safe cycling infrastructure, in terms of having the necessary uh, protections in place in terms of legislation. Um, and we are getting it all wrong. And we've been getting it wrong for a very long time. Um, and, you know, that excellent research work done by your colleague Owen Murphy uh, points out that almost one in three of those that were hospitalised in the last year were, were, were under the age of 19. So these are young people, children, mm. predominantly, I assume, either going to their local school or at least attempting to get to their local school safe and unscathed. Um, and our solution to this um, is that we go into their schools when they're five years of age, we hand them a high-vis jacket and we confer responsibility for, 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 for their safety onto them. Um, and not, okay. acknowledging the, not, not acknowledging for a moment that the responsibility for their safety rests primarily with those of us, and I'm a motorist, those of us who drive cars on our roads every day. Um, and until we affect a significant cultural change in this country, where we acknowledge that every single person on our roads, be it the mum walking her two kids to school in the morning, uh, be it the nurse cycling to work in the morning, uh, the person driving to work, the person delivering using a delivery truck, all of us have an equal right to a safe space on our public roads. And currently, right now, um, the pedestrians and the cyclists simply don't have that and haven't had for a very long time. And if our only solution is to cloak them in high vis, um, I'm afraid we're, we're going down a very, very yeah. slippery slope in terms St- of how we're going to fix this problem. Stay with us, Kieran, because Justine is on the line in Galway um, as well. And Justine, like you're a parent. Do you worry about your children cycling when you, when you hear these figures today? Um, hi, sorry, I hope you can hear me okay. I can indeed, yeah. No, perfectly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look at um, I suppose um, just as a local person and, you know, a parent um, um, uh, out and about every day, um, I'm part of a very small school cycle bus east of Carb. Um, so, you know, really every day seeing uh, firsthand just how scary it is um, and how dangerous it is for for. Uh, young children going to school, um, be they cycling or walking even, because we're just on the Hedford Road. And, you know, honestly, I I just, every day I look at the kids and I'm just like terrified for them. You know, obviously they're children, they don't, they don't get it. But like there's, it's a national road that dissects our neighbourhood. Huge high tonnage commercial trucks and, you know, um, private vehicles. And sadly to say, not all the time, but sometimes, um, you know, in excess of the speed limit, 50, um, you know, it's it's just really, really worrying every day. And one little mistake, there's no margin for error. Mm. 
you know, there, there's just, there's no hard shoulder. The, the, the footpaths are narrow. They're all broken. Like, you know, one little mistake by a small child and, you know, that's it. And, you know, I think that's why so many people are advocating so hard and lobbying because you're just terrified that something is going to happen. Uh, sim- similar text in as well there um, f- from, a, from a listener who says the Irish roads were never built to take cycle safety into account and I think that's the uh, the actual problem according to this listener um, Martina Callan from Galway Cycling Campaign is on the line as well like Martina just on that point are there ways we can make the roads safer and better for cyclists because there, there's a lot of texts coming in from you know from people I should say too who, who, who start the messages by saying the cyclists aren't all victims well, there's absolutely there's, there's two things that we can we can do right now to make our roads safer for people cycling and for people walking, and that's to get dedicate more space to people walking and cycling. And we know from a recent huge survey of people in Dublin, the Walking and Cycling Index, that Dubliners in particular are overwhelmingly supportive of reallocating road space from vehicles to people walking and cycling. Um, and we also know that less speed. Uh, slower speeds has a huge impact on on the um, the risk and nature of collisions and the risk and the impact of injuries um, that people suffer. And if we overlay today's data, which is really grim, it shows a 16% increase in small children and teenagers uh, resulting in injuries that need inpatient care in hospitals. So like the emergency departments, the, the, the GP visits aren't recorded. If you've treated wounds at home yourself, you're part of a cycle bus and you've treated kids on the side of the street. They're not recorded in the status. This is only kids who who've needed in-treatment care. And we know by looking at the um, recent RSA data on serious injuries by the speed limit of road and by user type, there's a shockingly high level of injuries suffered by people walking and cycling on roads with 50 mm. kilometres speed limit or slower. And this means urban roads. Yeah. We know that people are walking and cycling are suffering serious injuries in their local neighbourhoods, on their way to school, cycling to their pitches for their GA and rugby training, going to drama classes, hanging out with their choirs, meeting up with yeah. friends. Okay. And, and so that's but, what we need to do. We need to lower our urban speed limits to 30 kilometres per hour. Wales, our Celtic cousins next door, have just done that this week. Okay. Um, and we need to create more space um, to separate yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll ask people. We'll, we'll, we'll ask people about that in in relation to um in relation to the you know the reduction in the speed limit. I suppose the uh, the thirty kilometres. Olivia, just on some of the texts coming in, um, and I'm not saying they're not relating to you necessarily, but but just in in general on the topic of cycling. This listener says, I often see cyclists break traffic lights, go down one way roads wrong, use footpaths on a whim. Combine these traits with headphones, it's hardly surprising. It's all unsafe. And Rose has got in touch. Cyclists aren't all victims. Many are reckless and dangerous dangerous and a hazard to themselves and others. Like, what do you say to that, Olivia? Yeah, like, I absolutely, look, I, I agree. There are some people out there who get on a bike and are a little bit reckless, but they're not going to kill someone. You know, it's people who get into their cars and are just being a bit reckless. That's where the road deaths are occurring from. Um, I'm a driver. I'm responsible. Um, I'm a cyclist. Um, yes, as I said, there are some people out there who do silly things, but you cannot blame every single cyclist on the road 
that's like because two people are caught drink driving. Everybody's a drink driver. Yeah, okay. you, know, you, you can't buy well, everybody with the same brush. Someone you mentioned earlier, um, Jason uh, van der Velde, the pre-hospital emergency medicine um, doctor is with us actually on the show today. Jason, I suppose you see an awful lot of these type of uh, type of injuries. And I know Olivia mentioned earlier in the programme. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, absolutely. I suppose just listening in on, on the debate to date, uh, we've got to get bias out of this debate. Um, uh, some of the injuries, for example, that we're, you're not hearing about are the sort of daily the daily niggles and the daily kind of minor breaks and cuts and scrapes. And you're kind of focusing on the major stuff. And um, certainly in the emergency department, we, we see an awful lot of those minor injuries um, coming out of things. But I, I really want to steer the debate into kind of harm reduction because that, that's really where the, the real money shot lies. Um, you know, it's not all about the emergency response, which I, I provide. But, um, you know, if you, if you want to do any meaningful harm reduction in any high-risk activity or low-risk activity. I mean, you, you really look at six E's, and I've talked about the emergency responses uh, to, to death over the years. But, uh, you know, really what a lot of your other um, commentators are saying, we've got to enumerate the problem. That's one of the E's. We, we've got to research it properly so that we take bias and we put bias, our own biases out the window and actually look at exactly what the problems are and what solutions are. Um, there's clearly a need for engineering, and that engineering is not just about speed limits. It's, it's, it's about how we manage our roads and how we look at other jurisdictions and how they manage roads and, and, and footpaths and, and, and cycleways. Um, and, of course, we have to educate people. But we know from other aspects of society, so, such as um, the fishing industry, where we've done an awful lot of work over the years in harm reduction, you've got to be able to not only provide the education but empower people. You've got to actually ask yourself what... What prevents somebody taking the necessary mm. safety steps, sort of logical safety steps? You've got to empower people to want to make change. And whether that change is, is, is kind of a, a safer way to use the road, and I'm not just talking about cyclists, I'm talking about the road, you know, all road users here. Um, and, and then, you know, there needs to be a little bit of enforcement, but I don't think enforcement is, is the whole story. So. Okay. We've got a lot to go. We've yeah, really lot to go. And uh, you know, there's a huge number of messages actually coming in from this. This text says, I'm 65 years of age. I've been cycling for 50. Common sense. Most cyclists are not aware of their own shortcomings. Another listener, with all the cycle lanes out there, they need to actually use them. Should be fined if they're on the road when there's a cycle, an available cycle lane there. Um, I'm a cyclist for 20 years. I've been harassed, abused, shouted at, threatened, clipped. I could go on. It's not safe to cycle on the roads. That's why I now train inside at home on an app called Swift. Um, I would say a lot of people have opted to do this because we find the roads not safe. 53106 is the number if you want to get in touch with us about whether or not Ireland is a safe place for cyclists. Um, Dr. Jason Vanderfelder, thanks a million for joining us here along with Olivia, Kieran and uh, Jane as well. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.